Hey guys, and welcome back to the Sweaty Palms podcast. Sweaty Palms is a music industry podcast where each week I interview professionals who work within the industry. I'm your host, Zoe Dillon, and this week's guest is musician, actor, and podcaster Parker Whirling. We talk about his new single out now titled Better Than You Blues, his artist-centered music podcast called On That Note, his acting career, and more. Parker is a really funny guy, and I would say we definitely had a great time recording this episode. So without further ado, let's get into it. I also probably need to mention this little disclaimer. The first 20 minutes of the episode I had to scrap because I recorded it on the recording device and not through the microphones. So the audio quality was not great at all. Um, We're all human. We make mistakes. This was mine, but it's still a really great episode. And I had a great time talking to Parker. So just when we mentioned things from you know, before that weren't included or whatever, that was from the first 20 minutes of the episode. So anyway, I hope y'all enjoy and thanks so much for listening as always. Do you want to go into more about, are you allowed to talk about your EP? Like, did you? No executives are like over my head being like, (laughs) you can't spill the beans about the new EP. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like I said, I recorded it all with uh, Kevin Basco in in Philadelphia Mm -hmm. and we recorded all to tape, which was a big reason why I wanted to do that other than the fact that I think the way he has produced other people their music sounds great but just the idea of recording to tape was so alluring to me because I've always done my own recordings through logic and then they weren't awesome I mean I would go to like (laughs) the fund is their name in LA that's Paul Jeff and Shelby Mm -hmm. they would doctor it up essentially whereas with Kevin we're just starting from scratch so I would just bring the acoustic guitar and play it for him and then we'd decide where we wanted the song to go what we wanted the drums to be like and just kind of build it from there so we just sort of had a foundation which after I did that I was like that's what I want to do all the time now Mm -hmm. because I used to be I don't know if stingy is the word but it was hard to collaborate with other people because I already had a general idea of exactly what I wanted because I'd recorded it but it was much more interesting to have a seed and then bring it to somebody who I know is going to do a great job watering it, as cheesy <laughs> as that sounds, uh, to make it into something much cooler than I could have ever done on mm-hmm. my own. And also, I don't have that kind of technical know-how the way that somebody like Kevin does or, or Patrick Doherty or Tommy Troutwine. Like, they know what they're doing when it comes to engineering and mm-hmm. mixing and producing. So it's just nice to have people who are able to take care of that so I can just focus on the more creative side of it. For people who haven't listened to you before, could you describe kind of what your sound is like just so people can get a good idea? Yeah, so now I've finally like figured out the word that I feel like makes (laughs) sense because that's such a, can be such a hard question to ask Mm -hmm. or answer. And I think Americana is the easiest way to encompass that the other tunes I had from like two years ago were so not that I put out a song with a little love in 2021 Mm -hmm. September so almost a year actually and that was kind of the start of me changing my sound because everything before that was a lot more electronic Mm -hmm. and indie alternative I love Toro y Moi so I was inspired by that Mm -hmm. and it was more electronic and then with a little love came out and that was more Americana pop. It's like very cutesy mm-hmm. kind of song. 
And that was like the first song I'd put out where I started by writing it on guitar as opposed mm -hmm. to starting with like a drum sample and then a bass and then keys and whatever and building it from there. So since then, I really try to just write all my songs on guitar because it's mm -hmm. easier to write something and be able to change something quicker while I'm writing it as right. opposed to if you start with a drum track on Logic and you just loop it for three minutes and then you build everything else and then you're like, uh, maybe the chorus should be something else. It's a lot harder to go back and change that. So you brought up your podcast and I'd like to get to that, but I have one question sure. before that. You talked about Americana. What are your people that you grew up listening to or people that you really like and then maybe you find you gravitate toward and maybe, you know, take inspiration from? Totally. I love Wilco. That's a top tier band for me. And I think they're a nice blueprint for the kind of stuff I'd like to do. But at the same time, I like a lot of things that are electronic more so than what Wilco does. Like, uh, I mean, Radiohead is a, probably my number one. And I love My Bloody Valentine. I mm -hmm. love, I just made like a list the other day because <laughs> I'm a nerd. And I guess, let me think. It's funny because I ask people this question mm -hmm. and they always freeze because they can't remember. And now I'm on the other side of this right now. Um, <laughs> now you have a little more sympathy for yeah, them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Wilco's a big one. I love Beatles, honestly, is like, mm -hmm. you can't go wrong. So for me, the Beatles like, were the best to ever do it. And going back and listening to their tunes is always like a nice breath of fresh air because I don't know, something about every album of theirs is just perfect. So mm -hmm. that is certainly an inspiration. But I love, I, I saw Bon Iver live oh, wow. uh, a few months ago and that like changed my life. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a little extreme. But <laughs> the, the, the show was amazing mm -hmm. and it felt like watching an alien transmission Oh, because well. they were just, they were so like perfectly in sync and the sounds they were getting were insane and mm -hmm. it made me really feel like I would love to have this Americana vibe but inject these crazy weird electronic mm -hmm. sounds in there but not have it take away from that singer-songwriter feel, right. I guess. Frank Ocean is also like a He's huge really one for me. Yeah. But recently I've also been going back to like old tunes that I listened to growing up, like with my parents, mm -hmm. Goo Goo Dolls, David Gray, a lot of bands that were like 90s power pop, mm -hmm. alternative rock kind of stuff. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm all over the place, but, but yeah, Wilco is a big one. That's gotcha. a big influence. It's funny that you brought up like 90s because I just made a playlist yesterday of like all my favorite 90s bands on Who, Spotify. Who's on it? So. Uh, Spin Doctors, really nice. good. Blues Traveler. I'm yeah. Trying to think of. Now I'm like blanking because. Right. Yeah. See. But I literally made it last night. Um. Whew, let's see. I guess I could pull up my phone, but that's kind of cheating. I don't want. Now I'll pull. I always pull it up. Okay. I'm gonna. I, I tell the guests they can pull it up because they like cannot think of anything. Yeah. Unless they look at their Spotify. I'm playing. It's called '90s Bitch. Um, '90s Bitch. <laughs> yeah. That's a good playlist name. Sixpence, None the Richer, wow, Third Eye yeah, Blind. Deep Blue Something, Blind Melon, Delamitri, Love Them, their song Roll to Me, classic. Oh, I don't know that one. It's really good. I'll, okay. I'll text it to you after this. Um, Chubba Wamba. 
something. <laughs> something. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Bare yeah, naked yeah, yeah. ladies, the laws, train. I was gonna say the laws. There she goes. Yeah, there's oh that's that's God. the one. Yeah. Yeah, that I've been listening to that a lot recently. Nice. Gin Blossoms, The Cranberries. Hell yeah, Love Gin the Cranberries. Blossoms. I could keep going. Sugar Ray, I'm done. But that was anyway. my first concert I ever saw. Oh, was really? Gin Blossoms with wow. my parents. Well, how was it? <laughs> uh, I mean, I was eight, maybe. So <laughs> okay. uh, it was a long time ago. Yeah. But I remember it being awesome. It was mm-hmm. like in a town square, like okay. a small town square. So gotcha. kind of an interesting first concert. But mm-hmm. I knew all the songs, or most of them. So that was just a crazy experience to like nice. witness that live. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a long a long time ago. <laughs> okay. um, another one you should add that I've been listening to recently is uh, You Only Get What You Give is that by New, New Radicals. Radicals. I literally have it. You Only Get What You Give right oh, there. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. All right. You're, yeah, <laughs> you're on top of it. I'm like quintessential love 90s, grew up on it too, nice. like 90s or 80s and 90s because that's kind of like my parents' generation. But yeah. are you an only child? I am. Okay, yeah. nice. Just had to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what year did your parents graduate high school? Just curious. My parents graduate high school? Yeah. Oh, man. Hmm. Are you putting you on That's the spot? That's tough questions. <laughs> uh, well, my dad was born in 1960 okay. or 62. Okay. So I guess he would have been maybe like, it's probably around 75, yeah. late 70s for both of gotcha. them. My mom's like five years younger. Okay. So yeah, so around late 70s, gotcha. mid to late 70s is probably when they graduated high school. Yeah, my mom was born in 66, so they're like around the same age. As oh, okay, yeah, I got cool. you. I think my dad was 62. Yeah. I could be wrong. Sorry, dad, if I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, he listens to all my stuff, so he'll be like, oh my God, I got a shout out. He shout out to the dad. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually wrote this earlier, but we already talked about it, but I just have to read it because I think it's funny. So I did a little Instagram stalking and I see that you used to live in LA. Can you tell me about that? But we already talked about it. Oh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. tell you that. <laughs> yeah. We, we all pretend like we don't Instagram stalk. Oh, yeah. I always to. do. Yeah. Like yeah. for a date, before somebody meets you. You have to for a date. Yeah. Cause you got it, to. Yeah. Especially if you meet them online or something, like you don't know them. Like no. if, it's, if it's through friends, like, okay, well, you, your friends know them and they're yeah. kind of like checked out. But true. Um, so you mentioned on that note, can we talk about that? Go back yeah. to your music podcast. Can you give us like a little background? I know you interview artists. It's a lot like what you do. I started it during the pandemic. Uh, we just passed two years, actually. <laughs> yeah, uh, August fifteenth, I think, was the okay. was the two year mark. Crazy. Um, and just really started it out of out of boredom. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the most part, I just wanted to essentially interview. I guess you know what I would do is I wanted to like DM artists that mm-hmm. I like for whatever reason I don't know just to like just to talk to them but yeah. like for the most part nobody is just gonna like respond right. you know I mean maybe they would do for a second but mm-hmm. and you never know if you don't try like the worst exactly thing you do is no. yeah my dad always says uh, if you don't ask the answer is always no exactly so that was a huge that's on my wall actually lesson for, oh for real yeah crazy exactly. I have it written yeah on, on like a little sticky pad or notepad actually it's on my desk is it a quote of my my dad yeah your dad Parker's dad under your dad's it. name yeah <laughs> But yeah, so I just thought it'd be cool. I started with interviewing a few friends, mm-hmm. and then my fourth episode was a guy called Kid Hastings, who okay. I just had discovered like a year before I did the interview, and mm-hmm. I loved his songs, still do, and he's based in LA. But mm-hmm. I reached out to him randomly, just off the, you know, I was like, you know, let's right. see what happens. And he said he was down, and I right. just freaked out because I really was a big fan Mm -hmm. and then when I had him on it was one of my favorite interviews I had done towards the beginning just because 
I was like fanboying a little bit, but I was trying to play it cool. <laughs> yeah. And he was like complimentary. He was like, oh, thanks for having me on. And mm -hmm. it was just cool to like ask him very specific questions about certain sounds he used and how he did certain things. And I think he felt appreciative that I noticed that. Mm -hmm. So since then I was like, okay, well, if I can ask him, I can get other people on that are even bigger maybe. So it just became a thing where I was constantly reaching out to people. I'd go on Spotify's Fresh Finds indie playlist that still do that and just go through whoever's on the playlist that week. And if I like their song that comes up, I'll listen to maybe a couple other songs by them. Mm -hmm. And if they have under 10,000 followers on Instagram, it's a safe bet that you can reach out to them and they'll probably check it, even if they don't respond, just because everybody pretty much checks their Instagram DMs right. unless you're like, you know, have a million followers or something or hundreds of thousands. So that's how I just started. I just started DMing people. I came up with a, a basic invitation. So all I have to do is type in OTN request mm -hmm. and then this like paragraph comes nice. in. So it's like helps, helps doing it quickly. Yeah. But then also include a little personal thing about, oh, I heard this song that I really like the production or the songwriting or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so it doesn't feel like just a robot is right. messaging them. And everybody who's been on has been really cool. And at this point, I just released the 120th episode, wow. which is crazy to think. I think part of that was just during the pandemic, I wasn't doing anything. So I was actually releasing two a week. And uh, that slowly stopped happening. And it <laughs> became one a week, yeah. uh, two every three weeks, you know. Mm -hmm. And at one point, actually, I went like two months without doing any because I knew I was moving to Athens. So I kind of wanted to wait till I came here to start it up again, mm -hmm. which didn't make any sense. I don't know why. <laughs> But now I'm back doing it. I've got a sponsor, Up To Good Energy. Shout out to them. They nice. make sparkling caffeinated drinks. Wow. Um, they're great. They're in the Southeast. So cool. if you see any, definitely try them. I got to give a shout out to the sponsor, even though we're on your podcast. Sorry. <laughs> um, it's okay. But yeah, it's, it's been really helpful to have them mm -hmm. helping out. But yeah, I love doing the podcast. It's fun to like come up with interesting questions that the artists is surprised to hear you know I never really enjoyed listening to interviews of bands who I loved that maybe um, whether they're big or not they get a question that feels like just kind of basic mm -hmm. and you can see like they've answered that like a, a thousand times, times. Yeah. so I just really wanted to do something where I could ask questions that made them engaged and made them think about their own process where maybe they weren't before so mm -hmm. that's been a really rewarding part of it for me. How do you prepare for your interviews before going in? You, you talked about how you have the little thing where you'll yeah. just send to people, but like, let's say you get an artist to go on, how much time do you leave between when you set it up, when you research them, and when you interview them? It changes. There, there were times where I needed to get an interview out like mm -hmm. the next day because I try to do it on Wednesdays. When I was doing two a week, I would do Tuesdays and Thursdays which I can't believe I did that, yeah, honestly. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, because I'm still editing all of them, too. I'm yeah. not just doing the research and the interview. I'm also editing, also doing the promo. Feel your pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I look back at that. I'm like, how was I doing that? But yeah. it was during, like, the main part of the pandemic. Right. So I wasn't doing anything else. Mm -hmm. So it was easier. But, yeah, for doing the research, I usually start with the newest song that they've released mm -hmm. or project, album, whatever. 
just because it's something that they probably want to promote anyway. Right. And then get down to like the creative process behind that. I'll also do research online, like if they have articles written about them, mm-hmm. then just try to read as many as possible and pick out parts of the article that feel like, oh, that's interesting that I might want to have a follow-up question for. Mm-hmm. So I'll say like, oh, in this article you said this. I'm actually curious how you were led to that conclusion or something like that, mm-hmm. right? So picking out certain things that I think are interesting from articles or other podcasts they've done. If you had done Drew Beskett before I had interviewed him, <laughs> I would have listened to yours and then asked him a bunch of questions about his role as manager of Georgia Theater, which is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's a lot of online research and things like that. But also when we're doing the interview, not being afraid to like hear something they say and like veer off and talk about that for a while, as opposed to sticking to like a script. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I've got like a word document of things I want to talk about before we get going. But yeah, it's like this, you know, you want it to be conversational. So you Mm -hmm. don't want to just stop them in the middle of like uh, a potentially interesting conversation just to like, stick to how right. you think the interview should go, you know, right. just like write it the way it is going, like a conversation. We do a lot of things that are similar. That's interesting to hear. Just, mm-hmm. I was curious in the two years that you've been doing this podcast, what are things that you've learned that you, you'd want to share? Yeah. I mean, the biggest one, I already said it, but was, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been really a lot better about just sending the DM, sending the email. Um, at first I was like nervous to email managers cause mm-hmm. it's just another kind of gatekeeper in a way. I just liked emailing the artist or DMing the artist. But if you want to get artists that maybe are a little bit bigger, not all the time, but you're going to have to email the manager. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to go through that. And that's totally fine. I was always nervous about it for some reason. And getting the sponsor, I had to reach out to the guy and say, hey, I've got this interesting idea, right? He wasn't coming to me. So it is a lot of just taking the initiative and making certain things happen. Also, definitely plan ahead. Uh, (laughs) Make sure you have interviews lined up over the course of like the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Have some interviews that you've already done, recorded within a couple of weeks of when they're going to come out. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, there's been so many times where... I like slack off one week and then I realize, oh, I got to do an interview tomorrow mm-hmm. or I'm not going to have one for next week. Gotcha. And that is very stressful. So it's just really good to stay ahead of the game, especially when, you know, now that I do have a sponsor. When I didn't, it wasn't a lot of pressure. It's like, uh, I skip a week, right? But now I'm like, I promise him four episodes a month where I talk about it. So if I skip one, like he's getting screwed too so now there's more pressure but in a way that pressure does incentivize me to make sure it all gets done uh, ahead of time so yeah just staying ahead of the game is is definitely some good advice I would say who's been your favorite interview that you've done that's hard (laughs) that's a hard one um there's a lot that stick out to me for different reasons one thing I love about the way I do it is that it's on Zoom, so it can be with anybody around the world. So it's cool to like interview people who are in, like I interviewed this girl, Dimakesh, in um, Norway, wow. maybe? Cool. I think it was Norway, I have to go back and check. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Sweden. She's had a very interesting perspective on everything. Um, and the way people who are not from America 
talk about how they experience music and how they create it. It's just interesting to hear the way they talk about it. That was a really fun one to talk with her. A big one for me was interviewing this guy, Elliot Moss, Mm -hmm. back in probably December of the year that I started it, so 2020. I had messaged him like three or four times because I saw him when I was like a senior in high school and Mm -hmm. loved him and just like fell in love with his first album. And one night I was just like a little tipsy. I'm like, I'm going to send him another (laughs) request and just be honest and be like, yo, like I really, really dig your tunes. It would be an honor to have you on your first album means a lot to me you know spilling my heart out which is a little embarrassing but (laughs) then I got like a message from his manager Mm -hmm. who was on that account and said yo yeah I'm gonna talk to Elliot and see if we can get you on and then it happened and he was he was awesome he like was way prepared Mm -hmm. usually it's on your computer camera so the quality is not amazing but he like is also into film so he had like his black magic camera like set up he looked crystal clear wow. he had the microphone ready to go he was already recording when we started it mm-hmm. i'm like dude this guy's a professional yeah. and he was like very appreciative of being there so usually the ones that stick out to me the most are ones that maybe i already knew them and i look up to them in a way and then they end up just being cool people you know mm-hmm. and they're like excited to be there too and it's very validating but also interviewing my friends who I think are great. That's always fun because I feel like you don't have to do that initial opening conversation. You know what I mean? You're already friends, so you just kind of start and it's a good time and you already have that chemistry. And it's just exciting to do that stuff with your friends, you know? So it's really hard to say just certain people. So I'll just leave it at that. Okay, (laughs) so there are different elements from everybody. Yeah, totally, totally. Cool. What's something that you learned through doing this that you didn't expect? Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) Um, Something I learned that I didn't expect. Putting you on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, now I know how it feels. (laughs) I think what I didn't expect was to work with some of the people I ended up interviewing. Mm -hmm. Um, Like Rubber Band Gun, Kevin Basco up in Philadelphia. Mm Mm-hmm. When I interviewed him, I just thought he was great. And he was such an interesting person to talk to. And I just didn't expect that later down the line, I'd end up working with a guy who I am inspired by the way he creates music. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Clark Sound, who's an Atlanta artist, but he plays in Athens all the time. And he ended up producing this new EP I have coming out, but not, not the one coming out soon. It's another that'll come out later. And then because of that, I met all these people in Athens and because of that I moved to Athens Mm -hmm. now I'm here and it's just like I didn't expect the podcast to become something that like moved me in a certain direction in my Mm -hmm. life I just kind of thought it would be a fun thing to do but without it there's a lot of people I wouldn't know there's Mm -hmm. a lot of fun I wouldn't have had because I like doing it so much and I mean, I probably wouldn't be in Athens. Maybe I would, I don't know, but I wouldn't have met any of these people. And a lot of that has led to a lot of just exciting things for me, just things that I'm really proud of and excited about and that have nothing to do with the podcast, but it does have to do with the podcast because it happened 
because of it. So that was kind of a rambly answer. (laughs) No, no, it was a good one. I liked it. It's cool to see, like, yeah, it it, kind of ties back into, like, thinking one decision you make can completely change the course of your life and you wouldn't have known it. Exactly, yeah, the butterfly effect. Exactly, very cool. I love hearing about things like that, so thanks for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Hmm. How do you feel like this podcast? I'm going to turn the tables. How do you feel like this podcast has influenced your your trajectory no one's ever asked me a question on my own podcast this is cool number one right here <laughs> yeah you're witnessing history everyone yeah um hmm well yeah it's i've met a lot of really cool people that i never thought i'd meet through this like it's it's a good way to just kind of also like the reason why i started it was because i didn't necessarily know what i wanted to do in the music business and so i thought well when i have a music business industry podcast to interview people and then that can maybe even give myself a better insight into what i want to do with my life but it turned out to be like so much more than that because i've met so many great people and had so many cool conversations i just wouldn't have in in life normally and i'm i'm surrounded by people that like have a passion for doing what i want to do in some form or fashion and i really like talking to you so that's how it like affects me right now in this present moment yeah was that your question yeah i mean (laughs) it changes you know the way or you wouldn't necessarily be talking to all these people if you didn't have this which is why i started mine in the first place and i think it's cool that you interview people that aren't just solely musicians you had the guy on from classic city guitars Mm -hmm. and love uh, him dylan's awesome and the, uh, yeah, shout out. And the owner of the 40 Watt? Yeah, Barry Buck. Right. Yeah. So it's cool She's that. amazing. Yeah, it's, I think it's really cool that you expand it for musicians because so far mm-hmm. I've only had musicians, which no complaints. That's just what it is. But yeah. I, I think that's really interesting to talk to people that are in a different side mm-hmm. of that industry because it's important to hear what they think too, especially somebody like, uh, you know, the owner of the 40 Watt. If you're yeah. a musician, you want to hear what things maybe you should and shouldn't do when it mm-hmm. comes to playing a venue or submitting for a booking or something like that. So that's really cool. Definitely. I like what you do though, your niche, like, so it's specifically artists. You just do a really good job of like pulling out questions and getting them to come out of their shell. But I think maybe that's because you are an artist yourself. So you know the kinds of questions to ask. And I just think it's really cool. You're also, your podcast is also like really professional and oh, thank you. sounds really <laughs> It doesn't nice. feel like it all the time. No, it is. Like I listened and I was like, shit, this guy knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can teach me your ways, that would be great. We can talk later after this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I promise you, I don't always feel that way. Okay. <laughs> well, you're faking it really well then. Yeah. I well, that's the actor in me. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah you're, you're ready. You're all set. <laughs> you're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think what is helpful is maybe... Uh, maybe it's because I'm a Libra. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like to balance who I'm talking with. So if I'm interviewing somebody who's super energetic mm-hmm. and loves to talk, I just kind of let them do it and then right. sit back and ask one question, let them go for a while. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you get people who, you know, say three words and they, they look at you like, oh, what are you going to say now? Right. And then you just have to figure it out and you, you got to work with people. And that was a hard thing to learn at first. Right. I mean... I think at first I was like, nah, I'm killing it. And then if I go back and look and I'm like, ah, you know, maybe not, maybe not as much. Um, and I'm sure I'll say that in a couple of years about my interviews now. Right. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I appreciate you saying that. Mm-hmm. I, I do try to make it as professional as possible, but I do think that there's also something that is really cool about when it's not so clean cut. Mm-hmm. Like I'm kind of want to start making it a little less professional, not audio quality wise, mm-hmm. but have it feel like I usually would do this 
formal introduction. Mm-hmm. But there's so many podcasts I like where just right off the bat, they're talking. Yeah. And then, you know, you do give a little introduction, but I want to go back maybe to that because that's actually how I started was just not telling the other person that we've started yet. Yeah. And oh. uh, yeah. And then eventually they're like, wait, are we going? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we're just going. We're, we're in it. <laughs> Which is fun to like catch people off guard, but then yeah. I stopped doing that and now I kind of want to go back to something similar. Yeah, that's cool because again, what we do, we have creative freedom to do that and you can right. c- completely make it your own and change and fix and do things and you have, you know, that option because you make it, you do everything by yourself. I guess there's pros to that because, you know, you have complete creative control and there's also cons because you do everything and it's all on you and it takes a lot of time and work and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, my pain. the editing... I feel like I have Hell. carpal tunnel just from like <laughs> yeah. editing small little breaths, uh-huh. you know, getting the, the audio ums, out. And the yeah, likes the and then, yeah. Or if somebody stumbles when they're trying to say a word, then you have to fix that and sometimes go in and find oh, where stopped. they said that word. I've stopped you doing didn't do that. that. I can't. It's going to drive me insane. Yeah. I used to try to like literally edit if there was like a three second pause, I would uh-huh. edit that three second pause out. But unless it's something super egregious, I don't know, like they really trip up on their words for like yeah you know a whole 30 seconds or something i don't i just don't touch it anymore because it's too much work right and at the same time i mean i think most people are usually pretty forgiving i saw on your website that you were were in the walking dead is that correct can you can you talk about that that's so freaking cool yeah that was a long time ago that was it was 10 years ago actually i was 15 about to turn 16 and I'd been acting for a few years before that. I did theater at first and then started doing film and TV when I was like 13. Okay. So nothing, nothing. I mean, some, some terrible projects I was in <laughs> when I was between 13 and 15. Uh-huh. Just atrocious. And they, <laughs> I hope they never get seen by anyone. Okay. Um, well, now I have to go digging. I'm going to find them. You probably could find it, but I'm not going to help you. <laughs> Um, okay. But I'll just text you randomly one day, no explanation, yeah. just that. And you'll be it's like, just the link, and I'm like, shit. <laughs> she found it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, so that Walking Dead was the first like big thing I had done. Mm-hmm. It was just a one day, one day event. But yeah, it was such a crazy thing because I'd never been on a set that yeah. professional before. And that just made me feel, I guess, validated. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I should be doing this. Like, mm-hmm. I got here. So that's what kind of helped me want to keep doing it after that did Um, you get any cool like special effects makeup done on you or anything no i was i was supposed to die i'm like i don't know if i could say that uh but also it was 10 years ago they're like done filming so yeah i was supposed to get shot and um (laughs) on my birthday i got a call that said hey you're gonna come back for another episode Mm -hmm. and i was like oh shit let's go that's awesome and they're like, yeah, but you're going to die. I'm like, I don't care. That's, yeah. that's cool. I didn't even think I was going to get another episode. Yeah. And then they're like, well, yeah, we'll email you information in the next few days. Mm-hmm. And never got an email. I would ask my agent to follow up and say, yeah. hey, what do we know? Have you heard anything? And like three weeks went by. What's going on? And eventually, I think she just got an email from them that said, hey, the showrunner actually like pretty much right after that call was 
I don't know if he left on his own terms or was asked to leave or whatever, but he was not a part of the show anymore. Oh. And then a new showrunner came in and mm-hmm. said, yeah, we're just not going to do anything with this storyline, which is the one I was a part of. No. So just nixed. Nothing happened with it. Dang. I never came back. Yeah. And that, that hurt. But that was a good lesson. That's like, I don't want to say never get your hopes up because that's pretty pessimistic. Mm-hmm. But understand that nothing is guaranteed. Yeah, anything can happen. Yeah. I mean, I've done a lot of projects where I think it's going to be sick and then it comes out and they managed to edit every part of me out and it's not personal, you know, <laughs> yeah, but I'm yeah. like, how did, how did you even take that out? Like, yeah. They just find a way to edit it and you're not part of it anymore. And yeah. that sucks. But at the same time, it isn't personal. And mm-hmm. so even when you're on set, like I don't get that excited until I'm on set. Cause then I know, and even then, they could still be like, ah, you're not working. Right. We're going to get somebody else. And that has happened. Not to me, thankfully. But I had a friend who, or a friend of a friend who was in a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, decent part. When it came out, they literally CGI'd him out. What? And I don't know why. You could do that. Yeah. So he's like, nothing is guaranteed. That's, okay, that's insane. I'm learning so much and I, <laughs> that I didn't yeah, know about. Yeah, it's wild. I yeah. mean, it's super rewarding and fun and exciting but there's certainly a another side of that that's just the opposite you cannot control you can't control anything you know just Mm -hmm. if you're just an actor you're not really going to control a lot about how it ends up becoming you can only control what you do which can be freeing in a way because you're like you know hands off you can't worry about it um i don't want to ask like a generic question like what's your favorite color yeah or i was thinking like what's blue (laughs) blue nice okay mine's green i wish i think oh yeah yeah. you got some green on yeah screw um hmm. i was gonna ask something like what's your favorite role you've ever been in which i guess it's not yeah kind of generic but it's still interesting yeah i did a movie called yes god yes okay i saw that really are you serious yeah oh funny yeah wait just way back in the day yeah way back yeah oh my god that's hilarious i was wade the guy who Spoiler alert, it gets a salad tossed. Okay. There's a whole rumor about the main girl, like Natalia Dyer. She tossed my salad. Uh, I won't explain what that means. Okay. You can just look it up. Yeah. So that's the whole point. And it's like this rumor is spread about what happened, what we did or didn't do. And, but yeah, it's about a girl who like, what do you call it? She goes to a Catholic school and mm-hmm. like discovers what sexuality is and has to learn about how, you know, the Catholic church and, Religion can be very repressive mm-hmm. of that. So it's a coming-of-age movie. But that was really fun to be a part of because it was a bigger role than what I'd usually done before. And it was cool because it was in Georgia. I got to fly back from L.A. to do it. And it was like a bit of a meteor character for me to take on. So that was just cool to do something that felt like, oh, this is important to the story whereas i've done other things where like the apple commercial i turn around and i look at a lady and that's it you know? <laughs> yeah um, you have lines it's different yeah yeah lines scenes that matter to the mm-hmm. story like that's really rewarding when you go into let's say you get a role and you're preparing for it how do you get yourself in the headspace of being that character yeah there's a lot of ways you can do that i mean for me it's just injecting myself into it mm-hmm. as opposed to I mean, I haven't really had to play a lot of characters that are outlandish or too right. different than me. Mm-hmm. So it's more of just getting into how I feel about certain things and injecting myself into that as opposed to really doing something that's 
really out there, super method, which is great too. But yeah, just be overprepared with the lines. Okay. You know, you don't want to be the guy on set that's holding up everyone. Yeah. That's not fun, especially if you're not the lead character. You can get a little grace if you are, but mm-hmm. you want to be the guy on set that's overprepared. And you can make a, like a playlist of songs you think your character is really into. That's okay. always an interesting exercise. And I like doing that because I love music as well. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a fun one. But really, it's more for me, it's more practical of just making sure I know the lines, thinking of choices that mm-hmm. my character might make, as opposed to just having one way of doing it and then going in. Because then the director might be like, all right, um, let's do it another time. But I don't know try something different. That's mm-hmm. it. That's all the notes you get. So you're like, oh, well, now what, what am I going to do? What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's nice to have something in your back pocket, like okay. a couple of ideas that uh, you could say this line this way, because maybe, you know, you're just playing off the other person. So that can always be really helpful to, like I said, over-prepare. When you were on the set of Yes, God, Yes, did you ever feel like you had imposter syndrome or really, were you really nervous? And you're like, okay, how do you get through that? How are you like, wait, no, I'm meant to be here. This is where I'm supposed to be. I'm good. I can do this. Yeah. Um, It's funny because I feel like I've experienced less imposter syndrome with acting than I have with music. Oh, really? How come? Because I've been doing acting a lot longer. Okay. And music was more, I was always like, the guy helping the other band until recently, until 2018, like Mm -hmm. late 2018. And then I started doing my own stuff. So that feels like more imposter syndrome than acting. But Mm -hmm. yeah, when you're on set, for me, it was less imposter syndrome and more of um, just trying to be normal around people that you recognize. Mm -hmm. And yes, God, yes. Natalia Dyer, who's in Stranger Things, that was crazy to be, like, acting with her. So I just wanted to be normal and not, (laughs) like, freak her out or be weird or anything. Mm -hmm. So you had to keep your fangirl to yourself. Totally. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Which can be hard at times. Mm -hmm. And Timothy Simons, who's in Veep, he's in that as well, and I love Veep. That was crazier for me than meeting her because Mm -hmm. I didn't really watch Stranger Things that much. Mm -hmm. But I watched, religiously watched Veep, and I freaked out because he's so tall. But he's also super nice. So you just got to, like, swallow that yeah. that feeling uh, so you don't, you know, you don't want to freak anybody out. Yeah, or embarrass yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's easy to. Uh, but, yeah, everybody's just a person. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to imposter syndrome, I think, in my experience, I'm just in my own head. And I'm thinking about me too much because nobody else is dissecting mm-hmm. all these flaws about me that maybe only I know about, right? Right. So it's like, it just doesn't really make sense, but it's also doesn't make it easy to not do, Mm -hmm. you know? It's easy to feel like that. I want to transition a little bit, talk a a little bit more about your musical career, and then I'll let you go, because we've been talking for, I think, over an hour. Yeah, yeah. sorry, guys. No, no. Hopefully y'all are still hanging on. (laughs) I just feel bad, because, you know, you want to have a life with the rest of your day, too, so. Uh, It's nice to be on this end of the table. Yay. Um, I'm glad. Can you tell me about your favorite song you've ever written and what the process behind that was like and what made it something that you connected so deeply with? Yeah, I think my favorite song I've ever written, maybe this is going to be annoying because nobody can listen to it right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not out, (laughs) but it's called Precious. And I recorded it with Patrick Doherty at his Racket Recording Studios Mm -hmm. in Athens. And 
what I love about certain songs of mine is having them start as something really simple and then by the time it's done it's gone through so many transformations that it feels like almost a completely different song that's what happened to that song where it was just kind of a I don't know if melancholy is the word but Mm -hmm. sort of melancholy but optimistic acoustic song nothing crazy is happening in terms of chords and things like that but we like went all out with the production and there was a lot of space involved where usually I try to fill in as much space as possible and this I try to challenge myself to let there be so much space in the song so that when an instrument does come in it's at the perfect time and it makes sense as opposed to feeling self-conscious that there's no sound happening in that particular instance and when it was done and I listened back to it I was just I was just kind of amazed because I didn't think I could ever make something like that. And obviously a huge part of that is Patrick and Clark and everybody who helped out with that and bring it to life because, I mean, there's all the instruments played on it except my acoustic guitar is everyone else Mm -hmm. and I had to direct them. So a lot of it has to do with how other people influenced it. And yeah, so that is probably my, my favorite song and I'm excited for people to hear that one. I'm excited to hear it too. Yeah. Have to let me know when it comes out. I've pretty much asked every single artist that's come on the show their songwriting process, and because I feel like every single person that I've ever interviewed or in interviews that I've listened to, they have a different answer. Like REM, it started with the music. They wrote the music first, and then the lyrics came after. Do you ever write songs where you want to write about something that's happened to you, like an experience, and so like it, it's a story, and it starts with the story? Does it start with just lyrics that you think of? Does it start with the melody, the instrument? Like where, where do you start, and is it different depending on the song that you're writing? Yeah, it is different depending on the song and depending on, I guess, where I'm at in my life. Mm -hmm. It's my first two years, really, of making music. Not much of it was really about anything specific. It was a little bit more broad. Um, And was this during your, like, electronic phase? Yeah, yes. And then even with A Little Love and Hazy Lazy Light, those songs are out now. Those... I still love them, but they aren't really about specific instances. Mm-hmm. Um, and even still, not all the songs I've written recently are, but um, I'm trying to get more personal and feel more comfortable about talking about specific instances. Mm-hmm. The thing is, for me, though, Better Than You Blues, which is about to come out, that song is very specific, about a very specific time and person. Mm-hmm. And it took me years to write something that I felt made sense for Mm -hmm. that. It takes me time to really write about a certain thing Mm -hmm. because even though I want to maybe write about something like almost immediately after something bad or great happens, Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to come at it in a way that doesn't feel cheesy because it's like I have very little perspective on it at Mm -hmm. that time. Whereas if you wait two years to talk about it you have much larger scope of looking at that thing Mm -hmm. and for this song I think I just had to be I just had to be petty I just get petty with this this new tune Mm -hmm. and at first I wanted to be I don't know the bigger man and talk about it in a way that was almost bigger than it was and then I wrote this better than you blues and it just became like a diss track in a (laughs) way and I I was like you know what I still feel that way I don't Mm -hmm. feel 
animosity, but that's how I felt. And um, right. it just was nice to get that out. But it could be hard to like really get personal with your tunes because you're worried about how people are going to perceive it and right. whether they perceive it correctly, which can be scary, yeah. or incorrectly, and then you have no control over that. It's like putting out your creative work into the world and everybody's going to have a different interpretation of how totally. it relates to their life. Yeah. yeah. But that can be a good thing too because it can bring people together because other people are like, oh my God, I've felt this exact same way before too and I'm so glad that I get to hear it in a song and it can connect with yeah. the experiences I've had in my life. So you connect with people and you didn't even realize that that was what you were trying to do or, yeah. or it happens that's, organically. That's why we want to do it in the first place, I yeah. think. Okay. I'm going to let you go now because yeah, <laughs> we're no. going to keep talking. No, I appreciate forever. you having me on. Yeah. It's been a blast. Thank you so much for coming on. And everybody look out for Parker's single coming out September 2nd, Better September Than You Blues. 2nd, yes. And then I'll have that in the description below along with his Instagram, his website, and any other avenue that where you want to check him out, I'll have it down below. So thank you so much, Parker, for coming yeah. on. It was so great having you. Thank you, Zoe. It's and been awesome. Yeah, I'm so glad we finally got to meet. And yes. that, even though it was very like a... <laughs> interesting way of how we finally got to yeah flat tires yeah just double a batteries missing crazy shit um but that's life so thank you guys so much for listening this week and i'll see you next week